This is not, however, a normal prorogation. It is not typical. It is not standard. It's one of the longest for decades, and it represents, not just in the minds of many colleagues, but huge numbers of people outside, an act of executive fiat. The one thing the Prime Minister didn't say was that he was going to obey the law of this country. He, he did not say he acknowledged or accepted three votes that have taken place in this Parliament. Hello and welcome to Podcasting is Praxis for Episode 4 because somehow we've made it to Episode 4 and the whole project hasn't collapsed. Well done, us. Way too many people have downloaded the first two episodes. Um, <laughs> what are you doing yeah. to yourselves? Stop now, uh, or we're going to keep making more, and it's going to be your fault. <laughs> oh, uh, my name's David. I am back again, and we have with me tonight. We've got Alistair. Hi. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, sa underscore balistari. Um, Back after popular demand, I guess. Uh, some people said that we were funny. So, yeah, we've decided to make more of these. By recognising that people have said we're funny, we're no longer funny. I yeah. regret to inform yeah, you. Yeah, you fucked it, Matt. Oh, shit. <laughs> we've got Michael. Hello. Um, you might recognise me also from episode two. Um, you will find me on Twitter at, uh, at Mihal, M-E-H-A-L-L. And you'll also find me manning the at PraxisCast account where you will occasionally find me self-congratulating on jokes I've already made on the podcast. It's very, very <laughs> masturbatory episode so far. <laughs> and I'm uh, Jamie, back after a popular demand with a new mic, so I sound completely less underwater than last time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jim Bob Freeman. Temporarily free from free from being underwater until we all die in the um, burning hell that the Earth's going to become in a few years. So, um... Yeah, I mean, the Amazon's still on fire, so that's good. We've got we've got that to look forward to. Hopefully the rising sea levels will put that shit out. Uh, the Amazon's secret, though, is that it's always on fire, so... True. I mean, I saw people, I saw people lamenting that the Americans hadn't, like, done anything to help, because there was, like, 20 million put through from the the, uh, the G7, was it? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And people gonna... were saying, oh, the Americans, like, spend more than that blowing up weddings every hour. Like, why don't they do more? <laughs> And realistically, the only way you're going to get Donald Trump interested in the, the Amazon fires is if his daughter tries to piss it out. Well, the thing is, he's a, he's a, he's a two-year-old who literally does not have object permanence. Like that's, if it's not in front of his face, he's not interested. Just look at, like, Venezuela. Like, Yeah, he has kind of forgotten all about that, hasn't he? Yeah, it's all gone now, especially now that uh, John Bolton's gone. Rest in peace, yeah, I, I guess. Know. And also rest in peace, oil prices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing with Trump. I mean, he's he, he's he's got a lot of negative qualities, but I will say this for the man: he, he absolutely fucking shits the bed on any. He cannot be bothered with anything if it looks even slightly complicated, and I do admire that. Yeah, you got to admire him for that one quality he has, I guess. I can re- I yeah. can certainly relate. You not going to do me. not going to do a regime change anywhere because it's, <laughs> it's difficult. It's it's big words. Regime change. Who has time for that sort of shit? He also doesn't have the the um, backbone to actually do a, a, a full conflict like that. He um, refused um, John Bolton's resignation one night, telling him we'll talk about it tomorrow, and they just sacked him <laughs> by Twitter. 
<laughs> oh, could you imagine actually getting fired on Twitter? Like, like you, you just get you just get uh, someone in your mentions one day, and it's your boss, and it's just you've been fired. Don't come into work tomorrow. But that's the thing. Trump didn't even do that. He didn't even at him. He just yeah, sort of yeah. announced that as a public announcement. Um, I've I've had to like um, uh, uh, John Bolton go from this that next thing due to various differences. It wasn't a by the way, John, you're fired. It was a by the way, everybody else, John Bolton's fired. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's just because Bolton offered to resign and Trump can't, like, cope with that emotionally. Do you know what I mean? The idea that someone would, like, want to spend less time with him just, like, hurts him so he has to make out, like, he's the one that pushed him. It's a very piss-pig power move. Yeah. <laughs> piss-pig power move. <laughs> that's the name of my next album. <laughs> oh right let's let's move away from that particular flavor of shit which is uh, u.s <laughs> politics and get back to something slightly more um cozy and homely you know um, <laughs> the warm embrace of the houses of parliament yes the, the burning <laughs> the burning state of uk politics <laughs> um so this week parliament got prorogued um, it's off for five weeks. It's usually off for four, but it's off for five now because Johnson wanted a wee bit more time to not be held to account. And yeah, things have things have went places from there, but we'll cover that a little bit in more detail later on. We also had John Berko stepping down as the speaker after one, pretty much a full decade. Yeah. Of slowly slowly shedding the skin of a Tory and embracing uh not completely democratic liberalism. <laughs> oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Although um it was it was funny um seeing uh you know um everyone sort of say like so long and saying and thanks for all the uh, stopping Brexit um the the stuff in the news where uh, you just got the entire opposition benches like standing up applauding him and uh, the Tory benches very much not. Yeah, there was a nice little kind of loving for him afterwards that was very, very not government bench related. Um, there were a few people who would put in uh, slightly snidey sounding comments, a couple of them that are, you know, absolute nobodies. They're not even like the kind of backbenchers that you would know about um, who actually had some nice things to say about him from the government benches. But for the most part, yeah, it was just, it was just the opposition really just kind of applauding them for actually holding these account. It was really funny on uh, there was uh, a few people on Twitter saying, "Oh, I can't believe they spent an hour and a half like uh, congrat- congratulating Burko on like uh, his tenure as speaker, uh, as though they're wasting time." It's like, what what do you think this government's been doing for three years? Like, <laughs> we haven't got here by um, I don't know, just any thought of the speakers. I mean, for fuck's sake. But yeah, he's been around for ten years. He was he was elected speaker in two thousand nine, and then obviously the next year the Tories came to power with the thanks to the Lad Dems. And what he has done um, in his tenure is to try and make sure that backbenchers have more of a voice and that the executive doesn't have the power to uh, govern by fiat, which has been especially relevant mm. given the weak governments that we've had, which is specifically um, bottom no um, love from. Um, the Tories, um, and especially uh, the current government benches. First past um, the so post, baby! Gotta love it. <laughs> regardless of whether or not you, you like um, uh, that he is, at the end of the day, 
probably a liberal um, more than anything else, um, and he is definitely um, former Tory. Um, he has made sure that um, people's voices have been heard, and unfortunately, he would also have done the same under um, full communism um, uh, for um, non-communists. So, um, well, you know. without John Berkel, we would never have had the milk speech. And you have the milk that is taken from cows in the south and taken from cows in the north. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, and I regard that as a better future that we could have had. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we need to um, also... like uh, Burko stepping down, I mean, um, it's bad in the sense that he had, in, in specifically in the role of being the speaker, has been very good, but him as part of uh, like essentially being like people's bosses or people's boss in the houses of parliament he's a uh, quite a notorious bully so um that is to the point where some some uh like staffers have supposedly gotten ptsd which is like pretty fucked so yeah, yeah. that's um well, you can take the boy out of the tories etc at the same time um is is that? I mean, it, it's 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 one of these. It's impossible to say if it's bad or not. <laughs> um, type things, but he has done a lot of work to increase a lot of uh, minority representation in Parliament, and I don't just mean backbenchers, but actually appointing people to to roles within Parliament and increasing the amount of uh, women in positions of uh, LGBT people, of Black minority ethnic people. He has done a pretty good job of that kind of stuff, um, which is surprising considering his background but you know good things can only be can only be taken as good things really um so yeah ups and downs good bad yeah the best thing about his stepping down is that the timing of it will quite rapidly shaft uh any sort of potential fuckery going on with who gets elected speaker next because usually the way it works is the Labour benches get to nominate someone and then they become the Speaker. And then when they're done their bit, the Tories take their turn and they nominate someone. So it was Michael Martin before John Berkel. He was from the Labour benches. Then after uh, John Berkel, it should be again someone from the Labour benches. But under the... That's just pure convention. There's no rules about that. Yeah. Considering the current... Um, people that we have on the other side of the aisle um, it's probably not going to be held as convention and continued so with his leaving either as of Monday on that day if an election was called or by the 31st of October he's effectively now guaranteed that he will be gone and an election will be held for the next speaker before the next election. I will say one thing about um, some of the names that the, some of the Labour names that have been put forward, like Harrier Harmon for Speaker, it's just like, oh, I'd really, really rather not. The thing is, at the end of the day, I don't want Harmon specifically for various reasons, but the thing is, at the end of the day, we don't actually necessarily want Andy with specifically good ideology um, from Labour uh, to, to, to take that position because, frankly, the uh, bench is already somewhat slim on the ground of Andy with much experience um, for that role um, out of but, people that you'd want you'd much rather see them in the shadow cabinet to, to be future cabinet members um, I will counterpoint you here by saying Diane Abbott should be speaker <laughs> purely to watch the government benches 
melt the fuck down. Oh, that would be no, that would be beautiful. Because at the end of the day, if she does that, she won't ever be um, Home Secretary. And the amount of damage that she could do to Tory ideology as Home Secretary <laughs> is far greater. Yeah, but you can't you can't turn down an extremely powerful loan. You just can't. And as <laughs> if we've learned nothing, if nothing else from this podcast, is that you can destroy someone by owning them. So, <laughs> but yeah, as David said, I don't necessarily expect the Tories to stick with convention, um, and I expect them to sort of try and wangle things to be their way. That said, they don't have the numbers to make it somebody actually awful. Um, just now, because um, the- yeah, we're not going to see Jacob Rees-Mogg as the, the speaker of the house. Yeah, or anything like yeah. That. Um, there um, needs to be. I think it's three up. Uh, three nominations from the opposite benches uh, need to be. Uh, yeah, nine, yeah, nine plus three. Oh, is it nine plus three? I knew. I just knew it was the three from the opposite bench. So yeah, you can't. Yeah, if um, they've got, you know, it, well, I mean, whip discipline on the Tories side is a bit. Uh, well, controversial at the moment because they're talking about um, mm. taking the whip away from anyone who uh, would vote down any deal that Boris would bring back. So that would be that would be fun. However, they are also about to offer um, an appeals um, bench for uh, um, uh, the twenty-one uh, uh, expelled uh, Tory uh, rebels, um, so that they can <laughs> appeal um, their whip uh, suspension um, to potentially try and get back into the parliamentary party. But no, I'd expect them to try and potentially push somebody like Dominic Grieve. They don't like him just now, but they ultimately mostly agree with him and would largely see him do mostly along the lines of what they want. But that's the thing. it's gonna The, the Tory front bench aren't going to be happy with pretty much anybody just now because anybody that they would want isn't going to get the requisite nominations from the other parties. But just because it's hell world, it's going to be Anna Subri. <laughs> Subs! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that any time that order or division is called, there's just a collective groan from the entire <laughs> house? <laughs> and Anna Subri in the speaker's chair and just... Uh, oh, God. Oh she's such, God, a, such a pathetic human being. Like oh, Just the derision that everyone has for her is just... So good. It's it's just it's it's so good because it's so fitting. She is so bad. She's the worst. I was wrong. It's not M. Um, Grieve that's the potential uh, candidate. It's uh, Edward Lee who's still in the Tories. Um, who oh, that's be... that's um, Harry Enfield in red face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other Labour candidates are Sir Lindsay Hoyle, who I couldn't tell you a single thing about, um, except he's accepted a. Um, he's deputy a title. speaker at the moment, isn't he? Uh, yes, you're correct. That's why we don't know that. I recognise his face now that you've said that, but yeah, that's probably why we haven't heard is, much um, about him. Is Edward Lee the ghoul from Fallout that was on the news the other night? Probably. He looked like he was just like, like oh my. bright oh, red. Oh, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I forgot it was this guy. Um, I, I, highly, I highly recommend to anyone... Um, uh, listening to Google Edward Lee right now, and um, just look at his face because he looks. It looks I, like I mean, he looks like he's gazed directly into the Chernobyl reactor core. Yeah, he's just <laughs> bright red, and it looked like bits of him were just going to start flaking away, like the skull in Nightmare. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, the yeah, other that, uh, Labour some... candidate is Chris Bryant from the Ronda. 
Um, Chris isn't bad. He's not properly on the left, but he's not aligned himself with the Watson side, as far as I recall. Uh, and the other candidate uh, is um, Pete Wisher at the SNP, who's not going to get it, but from what I can tell about him, he's fairly well read on parliamentary procedure. And it would be somewhat of a method to um, uh, both keep the backbench MPs um, involved um, because a third party is not going to um, focus exclusively on Labour and the Tories um, and also uh, uh, would stop as much of the fuss about it being specifically Labour or specifically Tory. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to get pushed onto Harmon or, as I've already said, Super. Has uh, have um, the Lib Dems in like any sort of weird power move tried to put anyone forward? Because not that... that I've heard. Well, I'm that's I find that very surprising. It's the exact kind of thing that they would try and do, like when they did that pathetic. Oh, we're the real party of opposition now, and it's like, eh, get out of our seats. They only have <laughs> what fourteen, fifteen MPs. If they uh, give one up, one of those. They're going to need to get somebody in off the street to fill a cabinet position. Well, it goes up every week at this rate because um, they're pretty much a, you know, just uh, like the thing that catches the hair in the bath. You yeah, know I mean, I mean? <laughs> Change, Change UK is essentially the Lib Dem reserve bench. How many people are left there? Three. No, no, sorry, it's five. It's five. It's still five. The Lib Dems will somehow manage to announce that they have a shadow speaker. <laughs> Yeah, that would be very on brand. Lib Dems, man. Yeah, and they've the Dems gone full revoke now, so um, we got that yeah. to look forward to. Yeah, we should yeah. we should have definitely have a second referendum, and people have to choose between remain or double remain. <laughs> That's the thing that they've, they've just um, they've just fully abandoned the whole second referendum thing that they spent months screaming, greeting, and wailing at Labour. You should back a second referendum. And the minute they go, fuck, we can't deny that they've actually said that they'll do that, they just decide to take a harder position. Oh, look, some goalposts we can move. That's nice. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it's just unfair of Corbyn to, to like, you know, move to that position. They obviously, like, were much happier when they could just yell at about how he's not doing anything to stop Brexit. Why won't you push the red button that stops Brexit, Jeremy? And, and now that he's actually taking steps in that direction, it's just fucking unfair. And it shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes back to what we were ta- when we last talked about the Lib Dems is when they're, they're not fucking democratic, you know, they're just not. <laughs> Every time they've had an opportunity to, uh, you know, um, support democracy, they like vehemently haven't, you know, um, saying, uh, you know, now saying that we should revoke Article 50, just cancel Brexit outright. I mean, it is just the the apotheosis of anti anti democratic bullshit what was the vote that failed because um tim gay frogs farren and uh vince oil death cable didn't show up to oh i don't remember um, uh, i know it was it was a brexit related one anyway i know there was one um that it was ken clark's um uh customs union um, vote that that failed by one vote. So um, oh yeah, that'll be the one. Yeah, yeah, that'll be in a customs union. Yeah, the only which thing which could that, have fixed yeah. so many problems with yep. everything that's happened, and they fucked it. Yeah, they no, there was a well done, guys. The specific ones that both Tim and Vince missed uh, was from July of last year, 
uh, when uh, some government-backed amendments tabled by hardline Brexiters passed with a majority of uh, just three. Um, uh, I can't remember exactly what the effects of those were, um, to be fair. But, uh, um, yeah, Tim Farron was off at some event oh, yeah. um, <laughs> called for illiberal truths. Um, <laughs> Tim Farron MP explores oh. faith and shared values at Sherburne Abbey. I bet that was a fucking party. <laughs> the Lib Dems weren't the only thing that went a wee bit fucked up this week. Um, Tom Watson is back on his bullshit. He has been he's been hiding for the last oh, five, four or five weeks. Keeping so. his powder dry. Um, yeah, keeping his powder dry away from all the um, greasy oil that was spilling in from the media that said you defended a, a false accuser, etc., etc., um, from that guy that was accusing every single person in the establishment of nonsery and then turned out to be a nonce himself. Tom was quite a big stand for this guy mm-hmm. for quite a while um, and obviously got caught the fuck out yeah. because <laughs> the guy was a nonce. So, Fully put yeah. his tail between his legs, didn't it? Yeah, definitely did. But he's came out now. Um, funnily enough, two days after Jeremy Corbyn went to the Trade Union uh, Congress and he set out the position of Labour. You know, pretty much the same position they've been saying for a while, but everyone actually managed to cotton on this time that this is the position. Well, they, they all... The media always um, pretends that uh, this is the first time Jeremy Corbyn has decided what his Brexit position is. And then, like, a week later, it's like, what is Jeremy Corbyn's Brexit position? Nobody knows. It's unknowable. I'm so confused. And then it's just like, you were fucking there. <laughs> is it? Is it not your job? as a, uh, Like, this is just pretty much uniform across pretty much every journalist I can think of. Apart from, like, you know, your Owen Joneses and all that. Just your job is to know this. And sitting there going, and performatively going, oh, I don't know what it is. It just fucking drives me up the goddamn wall. It reminds me perfectly of all the um, pundits and journalists um, uh, complaining about how, and I'm going to quote one here, uh, Felicity Hanna um, uh, has a tweet that reads, if Berko wanted his comments to ring out to the man and woman in the street, he could probably have used a better term than an act of executive fiat. You know, it's such a shame that there's a, a missing link between um, the complex legal jargon and the, you know, man and woman in the street who understands all this technical language that could maybe, you know, explain it instead of just complaining about how they used the technical language. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't seem to understand. I, mean, uh, I, I had hope that after Tom, after that um, false accuser thing blew up, that Tom Watson might actually learn a fucking lesson, because he spent so long sniping, like leaking stuff to the press and sniping about the the leadership, and then you know they, that that blew up and they just dropped on him like a ton of fucking bricks. And you'd think it, he might cotton on that, like they're not actually his friends. Do you know what I mean? That they don't yeah. give he's a shit there. about him, but he's he's just waited it out and then come straight back. Yeah. Well, to actually clarify on what he's actually done here, because you just said he's back in his bullshit and not actually said what it is, you've probably all filled in the blanks in your heads anyway, um, and you're probably right too. So, obviously, the position right now is general election, (laughs) followed by renegotiate, and then referendum, Labour deal versus Remain. The only only possible combination that you'd have uh, on another referendum. the only reasonable way... Yeah, the only reasonable way to actually get this all to just go nicely, nice and simple, everything works out, 
Um, and, you know, we can do the democracy bit in the general election. We'll then do the democracy bit in the negotiations because I'm fairly certain Labour will be a hell of a lot more open to suggestions from across Parliament than the Tories have been. They've also they've removed their insanely racist red lines. So Yes, and but then we'll do some more democracy when we have a second referendum and then that'll actually decide on exactly what we do as opposed to roughly what we should probably aim for and then that's it. Or we can do a second referendum before an election as Tom wants, which the Tories will surely agree to. That sounds like a great idea to have them in government and setting the question and everything else and setting the options because no deal will be on that fucking ballot. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, it's, that was a fucking... Just, oh. That was the, the Lib Dem position until uh, prior to... Um, uh, revocation. Yeah, revocation. Um, so no deal versus remain. That's going to be... Yeah, cool. Um, mm. <laughs> Yeah, very, very, very good and smart idea from your classic heroes in the fucking Lib Dems. Yeah, I mean, on the plus side about Watson anyway, um, he is, as as every Labour MP should note this, every Labour MP is currently undergoing this process now of trigger ballots. Um, The usual uh, Stalinist, terrible purges and all that kind of stuff of giving members and local parties the power to maybe recall their MP. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, every single MP is going at them just now. Um, well, every MP in Labour anyway. Um, they're all getting subjected to these trigger ballots. If a constituency Labour Party says we would like to open the floor to another, another person, that's fine, so long as they all vote for it. They can have that option. The person who is still the MP now is automatically on the ballot and can defend their position. They don't need to be renominated. So I'd say it's it's pretty good and it's fairly well stacked in in favour of them. Um, although Tom seems quite well stacked because he's only had one ward of seven in his constituency um, vote on this. It was only fourteen votes cast, and all fourteen were to keep him. Sounds like you've Which got. Uh, some... Sounds like you. I don't. Doesn't sound like a problem to me. Uh, 14, no, 14 no. Fourteen people just, just expressed their it, democratic will. Yeah, I just find it really strange that there weren't anyone, you know, else in that world willing or able to. Or I mean, I assume. I assume it's a sparsely populated rural ward. Hmm. Where is Tom Watson <laughs> the MP for? West of Bromwich East. <laughs> sounds sounds like a fucking wasteland. Like, it doesn't sound like there's anything there. Uh, so we'll see. He's got to have five of the seven vote to basically pass the trigger ballot um, against him. Um, if five of the seven do, we'll still to wait and see exactly how that's going to go. But as of now, um, it's not a guarantee that he's going to remain there, uh, which could mean a, a nice wee election at the party conference. Oh, the last good. one to um, vote, I believe, is going to be Utree. Oh, interesting! <laughs> what a strange, strange coincidence. Very, very poetic. <laughs> oh damn! Um, right, and one more thing: we're going to cover the pro Rogan um, in more detail in the kind of the run up to it, what happened on the night, and then the aftermath of that, which has been uh, making today quite interesting. Before we do that, though, um, yeah, Operation the, um, Yellowhammer, Yellowhammer, which we was spoke about, released. Yeah. For certain values of released, at least. 
Uh, we did speak about Yellowhammer on episode one. It was a leaked document, which was quite short. I think it was only about two pages long. I thought it was more than that. Oh, maybe I'm misremembering. I thought it was longer I think than it that. was. It, it wasn't very long. But obviously We're that was that long. was an early draft, and and there's been significant changes. So I think I think the main mm. one is that they've changed uh, the wording that said the the base scenario is now the worst case. Oh no, it's the it's the realistic worst case scenario. Right, realistic worst case scenario. Okay. Oh. Is, okay. Um, <laughs> so they so they think it's only going to be that. Oh bad. no, okay. sorry. I'll clarify there. It's Her Majesty's Government reasonable worst case planning assumptions. As of 2nd of August 2019. Right. So it's just, I mean, it's all just sort of like basic stuff you don't you don't need to really worry about, isn't it? I mean, um, two and a half day queues to get lorries into Kent. Oh, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah there's reasonable. no problems there. Um, yeah. Your lucky bills are going to spike. Oh, well, that happens all the time. So, I mean, uh, pff, that happens all the time. That's no different. Never mind. That's yeah. fine. Reasonable. Uh, winter weather and flu could exacerbate <laughs> impacts. Well, um, things never get worse in the winter so um... in fairness that one is actually fucking perfectly reasonable because it happens every single year because yeah. of how much the NHS has been fucking defunded yeah um, so apparently public and business readiness for no deal will remain at a low level um, and small and <laughs> uh-huh. medium businesses uh-huh. will be less well prepared um, no possible severe extended delays for medicines if situation is uh, unmitigated. Now, just quickly on this point, um, we're already seeing um, sort of uh, outrider articles in the BBC saying that some people are over dependent on prescription medication. Cons- and yeah, I noticed this. Yeah. And it's odd how these sort of articles have started coming out. Right yeah. It's not just no articles. Deal. They're giving it. They're giving it the full blast. It was on. Uh, it was a big long piece on uh, today this morning. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, makes you. Uh... <sighs> just medication. Is that it's 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 fucking Immortan Joe and saying, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you will regret its absence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do not do not become addicted to insulin. <laughs> <laughs> So certain types of fresh food supplies uh, will run out. I think the word they used was decrease. But, you know, <laughs> mm. fresh food sitting in a lorry for two and a half days at Kent, eh, probably probably not great for it. Sure, it'll be fine by the time it gets up here. Law enforcement data sharing will be disrupted, but who gives a fuck about that, quite frankly? <laughs> Good. Um, financial services disrupted. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Poor bankers. However will they cope? Um. And then, obviously, this is where it, presume this is where it, it's more important. But presumably, the government give less of a fuck. Low income groups disproportionately affected. Well, yeah, that's that's just just a given. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think yeah, we covered this in the first episode, like the, this particular part, the low income group stuff. So yeah, the the full quote from the document on that one is: low income groups will be disproportionately affected by any price rises in food and fuel. Responsible Department, Her Majesty's Treasury. Um, now, that's number 17 on the document. So that's the kind of priorities we're talking about here. Yeah. Because it's not done in alphabetical order. And they're expecting <laughs> um, they're expecting protests across the country. And which... counter-protests, which is surprising. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love not being able to get any food or water or medication or um, <laughs> power or anything. Um, it's good, actually. Yeah, I mean, just serve your children freedom. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> just a nation of fucking ingrates is what it is. What you need, son, is a big bowl of blitz spirit. Can you eat stray dill? I didn't think so. I mean, ask me again in a few months and I might, <laughs> I might fucking bite your hand off for it. I may bite your hand off for other reasons at that point as well, right enough. If we run out of rich people. We just we just fully devolve into uh, 28 weeks later. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's that's the kind of thing that they've released. Now, they've released this because... They had to. Um, they had to. They were compelled to by an urgent question on It Monday. was a, um, a humble address, I believe, is the um, parliamentary procedure uh, used. And I just, I just want to quickly uh, talk about this because... It is a parliamentary procedure that has not been used prior to Jeremy Corbyn becoming leader of the opposition. And it just makes me laugh when, you know, uh, Corbyn's portrayed as this completely politically useless and idiotic politician that can't achieve anything. When, I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Only a a blithering idiot could have come up with that idea to compel the government to do things from the opposition benches. He is now the most successful opposition leader in history, isn't he? Forty. Well, mm-hmm. it was forty-one when I saw the number, but I assume they've defeated the more since then. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, but yeah, he beat Thatcher's uh, numbers, as we said in episode two, by yeah, by better part of three years. Yeah. Absolute boy. <laughs> uh, speaking of government defeats. <laughs> mm. Yes. Let's move on to the prorogament. Um. So. As we discussed um, last week, uh, the prorogament of Parliament was put off from Friday when it was originally supposed to take place um, uh, because the government had agreed to do... Go listen to episode two um, uh, and, uh, if, you, if you're not already up to date on, on where we are. Um, but they agreed to push it back until um, uh, this week. Um, there, before they could get through all of Monday... Um, there were some additional votes, including um, the humble address to um, require the government to publish the Yellowhammer documents, uh, which we just discussed. Um, that was also undertaken under Standing Order 24. Um, Boris is now six for six in defeats. Um, uh, every single vote that he's had, uh, and, and it's only been a week. Um, I mean, it's been over a week now, but there's not been a week of sitting uh, in Parliament. Um <laughs> Uh, and uh, as a response to the continued prorogement of Parliament, despite mass um, uh, uh, disappointment with it and uh, dis- disapproval, including a vote in Parliament say this is wrong, um, which was ignored because it wasn't able to be done in the form of a humble address or similar. Yeah. Um, the, yeah when uh, gonna, I just want to quickly say about... Um, so this government and, and May's government would just fully ignore any um, opposition motion that um, they lost uh, when you know again this is just a uh, further demonstration of just the complete uh, decimation of uh, you know n- n- uh, democratic or political norms in parliament uh, where you know uh, it, Blair or um, you know I think Cameron as well actually would if they lose an opposition day motion uh, then it's very much a thing that they should be paying attention to. Yeah, but they just stopped showing up to opposition days. They just decided yeah. Wednesday was a fucking day off. Thursday was a day off. Um, 
but yes, so uh, the Black Rod came in and called uh, the commons to go through to the other places they refer to it, the Lords, um, and the vast majority of the opposition benches stayed put. Um, the Labour MPs uh, started singing the Red Flag in the commons. Um, Plaid Cymru started singing um, Welsh uh, traditional songs. The SNP started singing Scottish traditional songs. I don't know if MDLs was involved in any of that, um, but obviously the vast majority of the noise would be Labour singing the red flag because there's a lot of them and it's a very easy tune. What do we yeah, think? I'm pretty sure the DUP went with the Tories, so there weren't any flutes present, so we're fine in that regard. What, what do we think? What do we think the Cucktig song would be? Well, I did hear that Jerusalem was sang as well, so presumably that was them. Um, things can only get better, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brian Cox yeah, makes a special likely. appearance. <laughs> oh damn! Um, yeah, no, that that was the the, the protest, but actually um, started before um, while Blackrod was actually still in the Commons chamber, because that's when that's the point where Berko had said that it was an act of executive fiat. Um, there were attempts to actually keep him in his chair and prevent him from moving. There were uh, little signs made up and placed on the speaker's bench that said silenced. Um, it, it was quite a good show of opposition unity um, against something that they couldn't really do anything about. It was uh, uh, the, um, sitting, the, the sitting on the speaker is um, it's not a just, you know, a weird thing to do. It was it, so it harkens back to uh, when Charles I... Charles I, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. tried to dissolve Parliament because um, Parliament said, you're a fucking idiot. What the fuck are you doing with all this foreign policy shit? Uh, so Charles went, nope, dissolve Parliament. And in order to try and keep the Commons open for longer, um, they uh, f- five members of the House sat on sat on the Speaker and they passed a bunch of motions saying how shit Charles was. <laughs> if only we'd done that here. Yeah. yeah. So following the prorogament... Um, Last week, um, the Scottish Court of Sessions uh, took a case from Joanna Cherry um, and Julian uh, Morgan, I think her surname is pronounced, um, and a few other people. I think there's about 70 um, opposition MPs and peers and various other hangers-on um, involved. So you pronounce it. You pronounce it windmill. <laughs> don't 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 say that to him on Twitter because he will block you. <laughs> he lives in a windmill. He lives in. It's a- not a joke. He lives <laughs> in a fucking windmill. And um, yeah, if you if you make fun of his windmill, he will block you because um, I am blocked by him on Twitter. <laughs> um, so yes. So the court sessions last week um, found that uh, proroguing was legal under Scots law. And then a couple of days later, or maybe on Monday this week, I've lost quite track of the exact timings of this one. The English High Court um, found similar for Gina Miller's case um, for English law. Um, however, today uh, on the 11th, um, as we're recording, um, the Court of Sessions um, appeals a bench of three, uh, the three most senior uh, judges uh, in Scotland, found unanimously that Unanimous, um, yeah. the Jeez. advice um, given by the privy councillors to the Queen, specifically uh, Boris Johnson uh, and, 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 and Duke of Breeze Morgan, whoever was the third one that they had signed on to it. Do we do we know how unusual it is for um, you know unanimity on uh, a ruling like that? I mean, obviously, this uh, rulings uh, like this themselves are particularly unprecedented. Yeah, um, obviously. So um, 
largely speaking, the courts leave um, uh, uh, royal prerogatives to be basically um, the judgment given last week by the court of sessions was that it was a political decision um, made and that they don't rule based on political decisions um, because the uh, executive powers are largely unchecked um, <laughs> in many ways. Um, uh, however, the answer given today by the court of sessions um, was that the advice that um, Boris and the others gave to the Queen was specifically flawed. They were lying to her, basically, um, in an attempt to um, get her to, to do something that they they wanted, but that she wouldn't necessarily do if they'd given her the right advice. I think the the wasn't the particulars that uh, he said to the Queen that it was to bring about a new parliamentary session so they can do their, you know, their home agenda stuff, but yeah. uh, obviously it's so that to to avoid parliamentary scrutiny because I mean he's not doing well six for six, um, <laughs> so more of that be good. One of the things is we we can't know exactly what was actually said. We we can only really dispute what was on the paper itself because obviously it was a conversation with the Queen, so it's strictly you know that's pretty private. Wouldn't ever come out that kind of thing. Um, which I think actually that 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 could potentially, um cause issues if it does come to the well I say if it does when it comes to the Supreme Court because mm-hmm. um, one of the, the one of the big deciding factors that made it unanimous was the fact that there was no witness statement oh, yeah. from Boris Johnson he refused to supply one he wasn't compelled to but he, he refused to supply one and the lack of one basically implied some sort of I don't know is it what's the is malfeasance Malfe- the right word yeah yeah, like it was just there was something dishonest that he was trying to avoid saying effectively, um, and that's what kind of pushed the decision to a unanimous one. I'm going to speak very briefly about um, why it matters about Scotland versus England. Um, mm. I might get some of the details of this wrong. I'm just speaking as to how I best understand it. But as I understand it, um, royal prerogative and the power of the monarch are basically supersedent to all under English law, there is nothing higher, and um, basically the Queen can do what she likes, um, the, and the issue would be in a similar case here, uh, whereby if uh, somebody does something to have the Queen do something um, based on wrong information. Um, uh, however, under Scots law, as I understand it, um, uh, the law itself, um, uh, uh, because it doesn't necessarily draw its source from the Crown, um, uh, can be superseded and ha- and can place restrictions on um, royal prerogative. Again, I might not have all the details of that exactly correct, but basically, Scots law has a bit more control uh, and 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 uh, an ability to to regulate um, uh, what the uh, monarch can do uh, versus yeah. um, what uh, English law uh, does, and that's why specifically it did end up going that way in the Scots court. Now, the, that's not actually the reason why uh, it was logged with the Scots court. Uh, Joanna Cherry probably favoured it because um, it's the law that she's more familiar with practising. Um, but the reason why most of them backed it is because the uh, English High Court wasn't sitting in August, um, so it was easier to get uh, on the docket um, for a hearing um, uh, quicker and uh, and. In the court of sessions, but it absolutely is relevant that it was logged under both um, uh, jurisdictions because 
um, even if one is found to be lawful, uh, Parliament needs to work uh, under both legal systems for yeah. this purpose. David Allen um, Green, David Allen Green had a quite an interesting thread on Twitter about this, uh, which we we'll probably put in the show notes because it does a he does a quite a good. Um, Sort yeah. of breaking down of what actually the 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 sort of constitutional specifics of uh like the significance of this. Mm, mm. Yeah. But well, yeah, one one thing as well that's worth mentioning is because a lot of um a lot of your 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 Twitter gammons have been kind of screaming a bit about how you know the Scots shouldn't be able to do this. There's less of them and all that kind of shit. But this is fundamental to the Act of Union is that Scots law is its own separate entity of uh, <laughs> law within the UK. However, they both have an equal standing when it comes to the way that Parliament has to respect them both. So if Parliament comes to decision or um, you know anything like that, really, if Parliament comes to decision and it's legal in England, but it's not legal in Scotland, it's open to challenge under Scots law, yeah, and vice versa and as well. They so. have, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, it works both ways, and it's got to be, um, it's got to be respected those, yeah. in that manner. It's why there's so many se- like specific acts that you'll see in uh, UK Parliament that have brackets Scotland, because they've had to be specific to Scotland because they've had to make sure that they have that extra dispensation to accommodate for Scots law. And most of those are pre the devolution uh, settlement. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot um, of them are like pre, but obviously there was no necessity before devolution to effectively have these separate laws, other than the need for satisfying Scots. Well, law. I've got an, e- I've got a, I've got a solution. Uh, hear me out. It's a, it might find it a bit wild, but what we could do in order to properly enact Brexit is we could repeal the Act of Union. Now, you may be thinking, you may be thinking, wow, that's a bit wild, but. It would stop Brexit, in a way. So, believe it or not, um, the separation of Scots law from English law um, and uh, the ramifications that are coming up now are actually in part to uh, an English fear that the Scots were going to take over um, at the time of Act of Union because the English already were suffering under a, a Scot on the on the throne because we'd unified the crowns uh, many years prior. Um, uh, and despite the fact that the uh, Scottish um, uh, Aristos had all went um, bankrupt trying to colonise Panama Pharaoh um, and that, Upper and Lower Scotland yeah um, <laughs> despite the fact that it was uh, the, the, the Scots Aristos fucking up um, that caused them to approach the English and go hey can we just tag along for a bit <laughs> um, the English were actually deathly scared in some ways of um, everything <laughs> or, or, or of Scotland sort of taking any sort of level of precedence um, when there was already, as I said, a Scot on the throne. Um, so it was partially uh, uh, the, a move from uh, English uh, MPs uh, that was uh, a movement to, to try and keep Scots law as a separate entity. Um, uh, so it's their own fucking fault, frankly. <laughs> oh, isn't it always? Yeah. Uh, I, say, I say that without irony. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so yes, so the both cases, the Gina Miller case from the English High Court and this new ruling from the appeal of the Court of Sessions finding, uh, which is also in the Court of Sessions, it's both its own court and does its own appeals, but it's different judges. Um, 
uh, are both going to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's going to sit on Tuesday. It's a three-day hearing, as I understand it. I think they're mm-hmm. taking both cases at the same time. However, it's still possible that they may deliver a split verdict based on the jurisdictions. They might confirm that one case is legal in England, but illegal in Scotland, or vice versa. I'd be surprised if it was vice versa, but... I've I've not not stopped being surprised by the whole process. (laughs) So, uh, well, the obvious question is, what are our predictions? (laughs) Uh, My prediction is that it won't pass. Well, I say it won't pass. It won't. It will be found to be legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's my. I I would. I'd put like a hundred quid on that if I if I had the opportunity. Yeah, I think I think it'll be it'll be found legal, and uh, the windmill fucker QC will have a meltdown on Twitter about it. And it, and no, I mean, oh, it, no, would, it. <laughs> it would not be a surprise in the slightest because if we learn anything about uh, like the application of political power uh, in this country, it's that if you're if you are in power, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like <laughs> we've already seen, though, the Supreme Court's not unwilling to say that there are uh, limits on the executive power. The previous Gina Miller case to make them run Article Fifty uh, through. Um, Parliament confirms that the uh, uh, the full briefing from the um, panel from the court of sessions isn't out till Friday, but the brief that they've uh, issued from each of the judges. See, I, again, I'm not a lawyer, I'm no legal expert, but as I understand it, and they all said unanimously, um, it seems like sound judgment. I'm not necessarily expecting the Supreme Court to agree, um, but that said. Um, given that the three highest judges in Scotland have unanimously agreed upon this, it would be notice of it would be noticed uh, for the Supreme Court to overturn that decision. Um, I, I'm somewhat hopeful that they might not do it. That said, they might do what the Court of Sessions has done and not actually apply a remedy. They might do a <laughs> "don't do it again in the future" type thing or something. You know, prorogans mm. already happened. What are you gonna do? Don't lie to the queen again. That kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, it, it does make a big difference that that five day period, well, four days in Parliament. That a lot can happen in four days, um, especially in the current makeup of Parliament. So it will be interesting if we do end up with it being um, basically declared to be unlawful and therefore an order given saying doesn't count. Do it again. Technically speaking, if that does happen, it's still um, Monday. Um, the Monday session of Parliament was not closed due to prorogament of Parliament. The normal yes. session did not end. That's not normally an issue because if you're coming back after prorogement, you're doing a full, full new opening of Parliament, you've got a new session, you've got everything new. However, if the prorogement was deemed to be reversed, it would still be Monday. Ah, the Time Lords. <laughs> <laughs> they're back. Yeah, they're working overtime on this. <laughs> so, what does that mean in practice? Does it anything that anything they passes back there? It means it's Brexit forever. <laughs> in practice, it means that Parliament wasn't prorogued. Therefore, there can't be a new Queen's speech because you need to close the session of Parliament. So, his entire plan to come back with the Queen's speech is fucked. Which means the opposition then won't be kind of cornered into having to like allow the passage of a shit queen's speech so because that's gonna that's gonna look bad when when we come back if labor don't intend to do an immediate no confidence then well, i think they would though that, i mean i don't, I don't no, know they because will, they're cause... back a couple of days before the european council oh, we don't want yeah, the 14 day ftpa um 
uh, rundown to trigger over the time of the EU Council, especially since it could probably run into um, uh, October 31st. Yeah, yeah good point. it would run into November 2nd on the current date. It's, it's real bad. Um, if, if, yeah. Uh, would, they would probably have to back a Queen's speech, which is terrible optics, especially since the uh, Tories could chuck any old tosh in there and, and well, uh, as they have done in the past. Um, it probably the other... will be like a nonce on every street corner just to make sure <laughs> the folks come in against it so that they, they lose confidence. They wouldn't have to vote, against it, so, uh, vote for it, sorry. They could just um, abstain. Still not a great look. Well, I mean... Really not a great look. I mean... It's a a worse look than abstaining on the election vote. Because specifically, asking if you want a general election, you're able to say, I'm not working to your timetable. The Queen's speech is, here is what we are going to do. Abstaining says, we don't really care. It's the same issue as we have with Harriet Harman abstaining uh, over the uh, welfare bill uh, in 2015. It's it's one of those ones I know that the practicalities of the current situation yeah, do, it, yeah. do take away from it as being the case, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it is, it is a bad look nonetheless right before an election period. The other good thing about um, if the prorogement is reversed is that, um, as I said, we're still in the uh, current session, which would stop all of the legislation that's... Right now, because Parliament's prorogued, any legislation that was in progress um, uh, up until that point um, is just discarded, uh, regardless of how many stages it had been through, regardless of how close it was to royal assent. If it's not through, it's cancelled. Um, uh, and there's some good legislation coming through. There's also some shit legislation coming through, but that's no that, that that's going to be true regardless of whether or not there's a pro enrollment. Um, but there's some mm. good legislation um, coming through. One specific thing that I did see was. Um, a bill outlawing the use of um, unpaid trial shifts um, was making its way through the Lords. Um, huh. uh, it's from a, a local uh, uh, MP um, in the Glasgow area. I can't remember if it was the SMP to the south or the Labour MP to the north. It's one of the two. Uh, it's either Paul Sweeney or Stuart MacDonald. I genuinely can't remember which one it was because I followed them both. Um, but uh, it's, it looks like a pretty good law. It seems pretty airtight. Um, in fact, no, it was the SNP because I suggested to him that he could probably get the Labour front bench to pick it up if there uh, was an election um, mm. uh, and, and get it through uh, along with a whole raft of other workers' uh, rights stuff. But it's a key one that could easily be overlooked if there's not a bit of focus on it. And it was, as I said, going through the Lords and it was well on its way to, to being law. Um, I don't know when it would have been done, hopefully sometime this year, but it's now as of present, been fully discarded and would need to start all the way back up again from a private member's bill. The joys. Deep joys. Talking of joys. <laughs> it's the deepest of joys. The deepest of joys, which is parliamentary fuckery. Speaking of parliamentary fuckery... Mm, speaking of um, political brain fuckery, absolute brain spiders, why don't we move on to some of that? We'll move on to some brain spiders. So... I have another article for everyone. Are we ever going to get through all these articles? Like, just for good? <laughs> uh, no, no, because... Um, they keep writing more somehow. They keep writing yeah, more. They, <laughs> yep, there is always more, and it is always worse. They will never stop posting. Oh, that should be the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we have an article from The Guardian. Oh. <laughs> it's already going to be a fucking belt of it, isn't mm. it? Mm. By a Martin Kettle, 
who I'll be honest, I've never actually seen his name. Not that I frequent the fucking comment is free section, but um, I've not heard his name come oh, up before. Um, or at least if I have, I can't remember it. But this one, I think, is quite a take. Why it's time to take the Liberal Democrats seriously again. Is the circus in town? (laughs) (laughs) Beneath the soaring arches of Westminster Abbey at Paddy Ashdown's memorial service on Tuesday, it was sometimes tempting to imagine Britain's liberal tradition regaining something of its former eminence. As the service came to an end, and with a theatricality fully worthy of the formal Liberal Democrat leader himself, a valedictory last post was followed by a summons to action in the reveille. A sense of resumed purpose was unmistakable in the sunlit chatter outside the abbey. <laughs> a sense of purpose, a sense of purpose that they have only found since in Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Liberal Democrats have been marginalised by most commentators for many years. Oh, I have wonder they? why. <laughs> also, have, have they? they? Yeah, the Guardian has been the only fucking. You're writing in the place that fucking kept going for them. Oh, it's really a shame that the Daily Express um, gave up on the Lib Dems, isn't it, guys? Fucking hell. I wonder why I wonder why the paper that was started by a bunch of mill owners is uh, <laughs> standing for the Liberal Democrats. Oh, it's, it's weird. I don't know why. Um, well, funnily enough, his next sentence is, it is easy to see why. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Some, um, some actual... Self, well, I say self-reflection, but some actual reflection on, on the case. This could be interesting. Tarnished in left-wing eyes by austerity and in right-wing ones by pro-Europeanism, the, the post-coalition electoral implosion of 2015 reduced the party from 57 common seats to a mere eight. Fewer people voted Lib Dem in the 2017 election than for the Lib Dems or the predecessors in any election since 1970. I, I just want to talk about the tarnished and left-wing eyes uh, by austerity. I mean, strictly speaking, the tarnished and left-wing eyes by both austerity and also the, uh, you know, frothing at the mouth pro-Europeanism, like, um, because they're not entirely unrelated, you know? Uh, what re- if internationalism but with bootlicking what if internationalism but international capital like it's just <laughs> oh, it, it's just this complete inability to see the European Union as a um, you know a promulgator of the uh, wants and needs of capital plus some you know um, some small workers rights sort of concessions and that's sort of it just complete inability to look at the European Union that way. Yeah, but um, don't you know that Brexit um, is is bad regardless of the form it takes? Um, <laughs> and actually, we must oppose it fully by revoking Article 50. Did you not hear that? Oh, so I've heard. <laughs> mm. Well, all of that austerity stuff, all of that, he goes on, all that has now changed. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Bad things are good again. Everything's okay. Forget everything that happened. It doesn't matter now. Today, there are powerful reasons for taking the Lib Dems seriously again. <laughs> God, it better be fucking powerful. <laughs> Some of the reasons are simple electoral realities. Oh. Oh, no. In the English. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, are we doing. Oh, is this where we're going? Oh, fucking hell. 
<laughs> in the English local elections in May, the Lib Dems harvested <laughs> more than 700 <laughs> new council seats. See, news play, new news taking a, a, a strain there. That's a, that's a, that's a strained new, because if we look Big back time. to any time prior to 2015, you'd see that almost all of them were Lib Dem. It's almost like they Whoa. shat the fucking bed in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, oh, oh, I'm going to let you read the next like, line or two before I say the thing I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> in the European elections, a 13% swing raised them to second place, helping to knock Labour into third and the Conservatives into fifth. Ah, yes, a representative poll. Yeah, so let's just... <laughs> oh, oh, right. So, count the, the people... Oh, Council seats, right. People see don't really seem to understand what councils see, councils do. They kind of understand that they sort of deal with potholes and people don't really understand what the European Union does and what uh, MEPs do either. So it's very easy to see why people would see um, council elections and European elections as you know, rerunning the uh, 2016 referendum. So it is just in any an analysis of, um, you know, the outcomes of uh, European elections and uh, local elections, they do not map to parliamentary, you know, general elections. It does. It just doesn't in pretty much any case. <laughs> it just, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, well. Opinion polls <laughs> now consistently show the Lib Dems in the upper teens. A famously oh. accurate thing. <laughs> fucking hell, the upper teens, eh? Also, again, upper teens <laughs> is where they were before they shot the fucking bed. Oh. It's a return Run. to the norm. Yep. Uh, so, opinion polls now consistently show the Lib Dems in the upper teens running Labour close in the race for second place. <laughs> in, in Britain's new four-party battle... Five in Scotland and Wales. The Lib Dems are indisputably a prime player once more. It's hard to not be a prime player when you're the middle one or the fourth one in Scotland um, out of four or five. You know, if you just add more parties beneath you, then all of a sudden you're near the top. <laughs> we're not. We're not the. We're not the second loser anymore. We're the third winner. <laughs> we're actually the median party. <laughs> Oh my For God. reference, by the way, the Lib Dems' best general election performance, I believe, in recent history was 2005 yeah. under Charles, Charles, Charles Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, the, only, the only actual... Yeah, go on. They got 22%. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's their peak performance. That's, that's, you may that, not like it, yeah. but that's what peak Lib Dem looks like. That's under the, <laughs> you know, the just still disintegrating Tory party. And yeah, under that's the against full... Michael Howard as leader. The full, you know, authoritarian Blair. Like, fuck me. Like, no wonder. Michael Howard, who managed to only gain 0.7% swing in the popular vote um, against full-blown Blair. <laughs> full Blair. Never, ever go full Blair. <laughs> in an echo of former glories, the party recaptured Brecon and Radnorshire in a by-election last month. If there is a by-election in Sheffield Hallam, they may retake that too. Ah, uh, citation fucking needed. <laughs> I mean, no, don't get <laughs> me wrong. I mean, yeah, they probably would if Jared O'Mara was still going to be the MP, yeah. but he's not going to be. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's already said off. he's standing down before the next election, so that's a fucking... No, that's not a given. 
In Scotland two weeks ago, they saw off the SNP's attempt to capture the Shetland seat in the Holyrood Parliament. There's a big fucking thing there because super up north Scottish politics are mental. They don't make sense. They're yeah. steeped in history and local shit to such a mad degree that people like us would not understand. It's not normal for what <laughs> we know. And to be clear, they lost 20% of their vote share in that uh, election. Um, yeah. Who's that, the SNP or the Lib Dems? The, yeah. the Lib Dems. Um, Jesus. Tavish Scott, Tavish Scott had 67%. He'd held that seat since the creation of the Scottish Parliament. Um, Jesus. Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, the SNP managed to get their vote share up 10%. They got it up to 32%. Um, and it's only a majority of under 2,000. Now, that's not that big for, for Shetland on its own, but it does mean that that seat could potentially be in play at a general election because it covers a wider area. Um, so yeah, that's their fucking heartland and they lost 20% of their vote. Good yeah, not, not a good look. <laughs> Others may follow, especially if Parliament returns early. Party membership at more than 120,000 is now at a record level. When the Lib wow. Dems gather in Bournemouth on Saturday for their autumn conference, the new leader, Joe Swinson, may not tell them to prepare for government, but she can certainly tell them they are right there in the contest. Don't oh. prepare for government, but prepare uh, to ask to be in government uh, with the Tories. They're just, it's just a series of like hopes and dreams that they keep laying out. It's like, oh, if well, when we, when we become, uh, if we had a majority in Parliament and we would cancel Brexit, it's like, well... You're not. I mean, just this magical thinking. The comparison I gave on 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 Discord the other day was if positions were reversed and we lived in topsy turvy land, and it was Labour that was the third party fighting to try and you know potentially get into electoral coalition or whatever, you would absolutely have John McDonnell saying, "Yeah, no, if we if we win a majority, goodbye capitalism. It's it's just gone. It just yeah. is." Yeah, because it's that unachievable for the Lib Dems that they can literally promise anything. They could promise a unicorn for every one of their voters, and it would make no difference because it literally would never have to happen. Yeah, and it's that's yeah. just perpetually throughout all of their politics. They know that ugh, they're never really going to be held accountable, and the one time yep. they have, look what that happened to them. <laughs> what was it? Eight seats. Yep. Yep. This Lib Dem revival rests on political <laughs> foundations that are different from earlier ones. <laughs> Lib Dem fight, fight back. back. <laughs> Brexit is preeminently the most important. The Lib Dems have set out to be the party of the 48%, <laughs> over twice as much as their maximum ever polled in an election. Mm. <laughs> okay. The recovery went hand in hand with growing support for a second referendum. This week, they signalled they will campaign to revoke Article Fifty altogether. So, so the the thing the thing that they actually managed to grow their vote share on, they're not they're doing that anymore. They're that. actually they've abandoned that and they're doing something different now. This is the way to victory, apparently. As the Conservatives have moved towards ever harder Brexit positions, and as so Labour continues things. to send out mixed, <laughs> and as Labour continues to send out mixed Brexit messages, the Lib Dems have oh reclaimed the right to be held, not least among young voters that they lost in 2015. I'm and sorry, mixed, mixed Brexit message. They had a more Remaining Brexit message than you until two days ago. Two days. 
<sighs> no, but you see, Jeremy Corbyn voted for Brexit in Hernando's. Oh my god! Yeah, it's fucking. <laughs> it's true. Oh. <laughs> oh. This is why I'm not reading this. <laughs> the lib, sorry, you need to hear it anyway. So fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> The Lib Dems are also winning support on social and economic policy. Um, the statist okay. instincts of Jeremy Corbyn's Labour and the deregulatory dogma of Boris Johnson's Conservative Party have combined to leave the Lib Dems as Britain's principal party of the mixed economy. Oh. <laughs> Labour's programme may in fact be more social democratic than socialist. And Johnson... <laughs> And Johnson himself is not much of a laissez-faire liberal as most of those on the Tory right. Yet in our ever more sharply polarised party system, the Lib Dems are currently almost unchallenged as the party of the middle ground. They're welcome to it! Look how well it worked for <laughs> This Dick is the God. worst fucking article. Seriously. So, we are, we are the only part of the mixed economy. Labour aren't actually social democratic, but uh, more social democratic than socialists. So you've just immediately, the next sentence, you have disproved the the um, implicit uh, underlying, Idea. like, yeah. <laughs> In your, the next sentence, the next sentence. <laughs> uh, the Lib Dems have prospered as the Remain Party. But this concentration involves risks as well as rewards. One risk is that Swinson's support for revocation may strengthen the party's core Remain vote, but simultaneously alienate Remain voters who still seek a negotiated exit. Another is that the party could be left high and dry in the middle of an election campaign by events. <laughs> Just by events. I hate, I hate it when events happen. <laughs> As one party notable put it to me outside Westminster Abbey, what do we stand for if the UK has left <laughs> on 31st of October? Yeah, what what do you stand for? That is a very good fucking question. In the short term, there is probably enough Remainer anger in the country to keep the Lib Dem vote intact in an early election. In the following months, though, the party will have to decide where it stands on rejoining the EU. The danger of being the party of a lost cause is real. And they kind of All of this are. ought to. I mean, they, they really are. All of this ought to make the Bournemouth conference focus rather more on defining the kind of political economy for which the Liberal Democrats now stand. This is an age old question. But it came to a 21st century head in the pro market orange book in 2004. Ah. And oh. the embrace. <laughs> nice light And read. the embrace of austerity <laughs> and public spending cuts after 2010. Politics of the public mood have moved on. Yeah, but not your politics. <laughs> No, of course not. Even the Conservatives now pronounce the end of austerity. They pronounce it. They don't actually fucking pre practice it, but they pronounce it. Third or fourth time they've told us it's over, but it doesn't seem to be over. Yeah, they're still within no, the same fiscal rules that um, Spreadsheet Phil Spreadsheet Phil laid out. Yeah. There is scant evidence yet that the Lib Dems, who remain defensive about their role in government, have moved decisively with the new times. So that's that's we don't talk about that. That is absolutely <laughs> fucking damning because they are. I mean, Joe Swinson. Uh, I think we may well have said on the podcast before is fully up there with uh, other Tories who voted for um, you know uh, when they were in coalition. Just she is a fucking Tory, and she's they, more on board with the Tories than the majority of Tories are. 
She has a stronger Tory voting record uh, during the coalition years than Jeremy Hunt. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. To be fair, this is a question that faces an entire generation of political parties and voters in every advanced industrial democracy, not just Britain. It is also one that few modern parties of the centre have succeeded in solving. The Lib Dems are certainly not alone in struggling with it, yet it holds the key not just to the party's philosophical underpinning, but to some very practical political choices too. So they're talking about persocification here, and mm. what is one of the few parties, centre-left parties, in the entirety of Europe that has, or Western Europe at least, as far as I know, that has managed to kind of circumvent that, I Labour. wonder. Mm. And they yeah. cut off the centre from their name. That's basically the solution. Offer an actual alternative to the last 40 years. Hmm. But, <sighs> but the last 40 years has been history ended. Yeah, so write some new stuff. History's back. It's good again. Can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> History's oh. back, and this time in pog form. <laughs> <laughs> Swinston's party will only consolidate its comeback by electing more Lib Dem MPs. Whoa. What? Damn. It would be hard to tell like less. Strong political analysis. <laughs> Under Britain's first-past-the-post system, that will only happen if there is the kind of tactical voting in the next general election that helped Ashdown to more than double the number of Lib Dem MPs in 1997. So he's not actually went there for the, the Charlie Kennedy... Um, actual success he's assuming because of his introduction tied it back to Ashdown but why you would do that I don't know don't draw attention to Ashdown the guy <laughs> is probably a fucking war criminal like don't an amazing 16.8% um, of the vote Paddy Ashdown got got them in 1997 sake. good god wow that's that's some impressive which was actually a drop nothing. of a percent Wow. So how many wow. how many actual <laughs> MPs was that? They say doubled the more than doubled the number, but I'm They went from eighteen pretty... to forty six. No, not great, it, not terrible. Which is solely off that <laughs> basically <laughs> it proves that the Lib Dem games are solely at the uh, expense of the Conservative Party. Occasionally there might be, you know, ten percent of seats that flip between Labour and Lib Dem. Um, but almost exclusively what happens is the Tories are doing badly because of sex scandals or because they fucked up the economy again and be and the nervous Tories go, we look a bit bad if we keep backing these guys. Let's let's just go to the yellow ones just down the road. <laughs> and then the Lib Dems go, oh look, we're popular again. Let's attack Labour. Yeah. Weird how liberals always attack socialists before they attack fascists. That's really weird. Ashdown succeeded because sufficient numbers of progressive voters recognised that he led a party that could work with Tony Blair's Labour. Nobody needed to work with Tony Blair's Labour. He had an outright majority of about 150. Uh, Swinson, by contrast, faces a much more difficult relationship with the Labour leadership from which many Lib Dem supporters recoil. Not half as many as Labour's supporters recoil at Swinson. Yeah, exactly. Mm. If if Labour had, if if the Labour leadership was a party that any Lib Dem was like willing to support, like politically, uh, yeah, like uh, in terms of like a coalition or whatever, I think it w it would not be a party that I would vote for. That's for fucking sure. Mm. Well, he ends up on a note of hope here. Yet, unless she can make that relationship work, there will be only one winner, and it will not be the Lib Dems. You could have just cut this whole thing uh, right down to the last, uh, like, 10, 12 words. 
<laughs> and there will be only one winner, and it will not be the Lib Dems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, The Guardian, for that wonderful, wonderful, completely useless article. In the same week that Polly Toynbee turned around and said we need to stop being scared of Jeremy Corbyn, and then they fucking they, they, they must have realised what they actually allowed through and had to balance it back out. I mean, literally, it is. It is just that um, liberals hate fascists, uh, hate uh, socialists more than fascists. Get like uh, JPEG. Like that. That that is this article, really. Um, yeah, big time. And it just, you know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but you know, uh, the only reason, the only thing. Uh, and they even say in the article, the only thing keeping the Lib Dems alive at this point is Brexit. Uh, and they would they would be happy for it to go on forever, never quite leaving the EU because it means that they can attack Bre- uh, to attack Labour for having a an unclear position on Brexit, even though it's their fucking Brexit position from two days ago. Oh. Oh. Wonderful, isn't it? Well, that's we've got the the wonderful commentary to thank for such a a lovely piece. Oh, um, I hate the commentary. I hate them more so much. <laughs> well, we'll love the next time we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for some comment or commentary. So, oh, as usual, it straight into my fucking veins. Come on. <laughs> as usual, for anyone that doesn't know how this works, I have uh, went down to the hot tape mines. I have found some of the shittiest and worst things that I could find in print, either above the line or below the line. So, everyone here, and if you want to play along at home, in the car, on the train, um, while a fascist stamps on your face forever, then feel free to do so. <laughs> so, once the momentum thugs are in power, they'll not... They'll, <laughs> oh, this is fucking immense already. Oh, wow. <laughs> just, just, just put it all right out the front, don't you? Once the momentum thugs are in power, there'll be no getting rid of them. The old-style moderate Labour Party is already their prisoner and they'll change the law to ensure that they can get their hands on more of our money than ever before. The truth of that should sober up any Remainer Tories considering bringing down our government. JK Rowling, Comment. is that you? <laughs> Comment or commentary at? Comment. Uh, I'm going to say comment because I can only assume that J.K. Rowling left this exact comment on like a Guardian article. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll say commentary up and go on with a dissenting vote. I went comment because I refused to believe that you actually went to the Express. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was commentary. Oh, no. <laughs> on the Express? Daily Express, and that was Tim Newark writing. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to go to the Express, otherwise I would have said commentary yet. <laughs> I didn't go to the Express. I was really, really struggling to get some really good ones for this week. I was one shot, that was the one I was short of, and Rob kindly helped to to go away and find that, and he exposed himself oh, to about six articles. He's currently in the hospital, and we wish him well. <laughs> Still in A&E. <laughs> waiting to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> He's having the spiders scraped out as we speak. <laughs> oh. Right, next one. Oh. I don't like the honours system. It's more of a dishonours system, and even as far as that goes, Theresa May's list is probably one of the worst in recent times. However, within that system, there's no good reason not to give boycott a knighthood. Oh my god. Comment. 
Now, I'm not going to lie. At first, I thought you were talking about the honor system. So I thought it was going to be a commentary out because um, that sounds like the kind of thing that a, 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 lib, like a, a lib journo would write about. But uh, mm. oh none boy. of the lib journos would disrespect the, the honor system. The, the, the honors <laughs> system. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going firmly comment. Uh, again, if this is the Express again, if, you, if they're all from the Express, I'm going to lose. <laughs> That's how this is going to go, but for, for now I'm going comment. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I think comment as well, actually. I'm going to say commentary out because I can see like several dipshits who would come up with something like that, like Little and, and those sort of fucking clowns. Mm. Oh, you make a very good point, actually. Oh, no, so I'm going to stick with comment. Okay, that one was a comment oh. <laughs> from, from our good favourite Spiked Online. Oh, Spiked. Oh. <laughs> Oh, right. Time for the third one. The British people dislike and distrust Corbyn. That's what they say month after month when asked. And rightly, he has no concept of what leading a party means, and he is incapable of it. He remains a backbencher, conspiring with a few close mates, ignores the party, and is utterly inept at his trade. That he is... will lead us into a majority body. Uh, he will lead us into a majority, majority <laughs> <laughs> He will lead us into a majority Boris Johnson government, which will destroy our economy and our values. Does anyone seriously think that if Cooper or Ben were heading the party, things could have got this far? The only thing that could save this country is Corbyn's sudden removal from the political scene. Right. I, I just want to Comment quickly. Commentary. I just want to quickly uh, get, uh, say the um, one thing, one like anecdote I have about uh, Yvette Cooper, and it's that my my girlfriend's <laughs> mum went to the same school as Yvette Cooper, and uh, apparently when I think there's uh, about ten or eleven or so. Um, you know, when you get asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said the, th- the thing that all should automatically disqualify you from politics is that she wants to be the prime minister. So, um... <laughs> Before I answer that, I just want to say how, how great it is to, to see in the wild one of those, if X was leading the Labour Party right now, they'd have a, a turbo majority. <laughs> I, actually, I actually saw someone on Twitter unironically claim... That if uh, John Mann was leaving, they uh, would leave the John party. John Mann. <laughs> then Labour would be in government now. Oh my God! How is Dan Hodges, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Same as he ever was. I'm oh, going to say that's that's commentaria. That just that has the Guardian written all over it to me. So I was going to say commentaria up until uh, there was about halfway through, and I've forgotten what the line was now because I was listening to all your other takes. But basically, there was a point <laughs> when they when they started flipping uh, and it, it just start, started ringing hollow it was before they started suggesting other other potential labor leaders i can't remember what it was it's gonna annoy me now but yeah there was something that gave it away and i'm saying comment but i was on board with commentary right until about halfway through i think i'm gonna right. go i'm gonna go comment because i think that's a bit a bit much i guess for a journalist but go on okay look that was a comment oh yes and that was a comment Anyone guess where? BBC News. Okay. Uh, I'm going to stick with The Guardian. Uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. go Guardian. Yeah, it was The Guardian. Oh, yeah. Of course oh. it was The Guardian. Where else course, would you find course. that Yvette Cooper would be better <laughs> take than The Guardian? <laughs> right, and the last one for the night. The fact is this. 
For all the weird applause given to Berkel yesterday and for all the Remainer claims that he is a hero of parliamentary sovereignty, he will be remembered as a man who did great harm to the institution of parliament. His explicit opposition to Brexit... There was once a sticker in his wife's car saying bollocks to Brexit. This is the Daily Mail. This is 100% the Daily Mail. (laughs) Means he has increasingly lent the Speaker's authority to the anti-Brexit cause. Comment or commentariat? Daily Mail commentariat, 100%. I think I'm on board with that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say commentariat. Okay, right. He's all half right. It's commentariat. But it wasn't the Daily Mail. Express? It was in the Spectator. Spectator, oh god. And it was our good friend of the show, Brendan O'Neill. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Oh yeah, so yeah, not not bad there, little mixed bag. Um yeah, well done. Well, to harm parliamentary democracy by holding the executive to account. <laughs> <laughs> if I mean oh. it's just the what if there's one thing you can say about this parliament, it's not that it's been, you know, um, anti-democratic. It's been, if anything, the one of the most democratic parliaments because by its very nature, you have to get people on side, you know? It's not just, um, you know, uh, an elected dictatorship as it is when you have a majority. Yeah. But yeah. have you considered that Actually, there was a referendum and we voted to leave. Have you considered that if someone like Kate Hoy was leading the Labour Party, they'd be in government by now? (laughs) Kate Hoy, John Mann, uh, duo. (laughs) Just forming a megazord of monstrous politics and leading the Labour Party by uh, literally crushing um, all opposition. (laughs) The largest brain spider. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just before we go I, I just want to mention one thing there was a bunch of celebration today um, from uh, various people because Boris has um, cancelled some May era rules uh, about uh, students uh, staying in the UK um, after graduating uh, they're now going to be allowed to stay for uh, up to two years to find a job and obviously if they get a job they'll not have different visa uh, uh, uh uh, rights and, and stuff like that um, and there's been much celebration about that it's a, a one of these so-called one of these um, uh, apparent liberal moves that Boris is making uh, that remind people of of why they voted for him in London and whenever it was and this and that and the next thing the supposed liberal Boris uh, that exists um, being so gracious to, as to let somebody that's studied here uh, for two years for three years or four years stay a little bit longer Um my favourite uh, response to it, though, was from the Chancellor of the Exchequer, who announced that it's about time that this was changed. <laughs> um, now, you might know the Chancellor of Exchequer as Sajid Javid, who you might also know as the most recent... Um, Dr. Robotnik, the Eggman. I mean, there's that. <laughs> uh, but he, he's, he's the last Home Secretary who, last time I checked, does have the ability to, you know, affect immigration law and stuff like that. Uh, so... Uh, apparently it's something he valued very deeply that has been overturned by Boris but didn't bother his damn to value uh, you know whilst he was in office with me I mean the entire cabinet are just fucking windsocks though aren't they 
I mean, they were all they were all banging the drum about how prorogation would be terrible, and up until the point where like Boris went for prorogation, and then it was suddenly it was the best thing ever. There was a um, leak from cabinet either today or yesterday, uh, which was saying that Boris wanted to set out uh, 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 moves to make it the most liberal uh, conservative government um, in, in memory, um, uh, and apparently one of the members of the cabinet said, "Don't tell Pretty." <laughs> should we should we leave it there? <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. Look forward to next week when we will have uh more shit. <laughs> more shit at the beginning of our conference season. Uh so we'll be starting off with a Lib Dem conference, which is next uh th- this weekend actually. It starts this weekend and moves into the middle of next week. And we will have Anyone plenty attending? of hot takes from that. Absolutely not. Um <laughs> we will, however, have a plan in the Conservative Conference this year. Oh, Oh, so there'll be some frontline reporting happening for the Conservative Conference. We'll look forward to that. Oh, that's very exciting. And yeah, so that'll be good. And um, we've also got the Labour Conference to go two weeks from now. And yeah, should be some interesting times ahead, some good stuff coming up. So yeah, we will wrap it up there and we'll see you all the next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Hi, thanks everyone for listening to us drone on for. What must be coming up to two hours by now? Hour and a half again. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting good at that. Um, yeah, uh, share it with your friends. Uh, infect their brains with the terrible hot takes from the commentary. Don't just suffer alone. Make sure your friends suffer too. <laughs> <laughs>